Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Looks like Andy's got, got you know, a real good thing with the, uh, the welder, kind of the welder you know, equipment he's wearing. Would you wear an Andy Reid welder mask? I, I don't think that one's mine. I'm, I'm gonna come up with something else. I'm expecting some some uh, young person to send me a message or something. Send me send me an example. Draw, draw me up one. And we'll try, try to create it or something. I need I need I need some help. Pete Carroll doesn't need help coaching. He just needs help finding a mask to wear or he's going to be facing an even bigger fine. It's a big day for the National Football League. The start of week three. Here we go, baby. Football Talk Live. Peacock, check us out there live right now. You already are. Hello, our Peacock audience, Series XM 211. Hello to you if you're listening via that specific technology. Sky Sports, it's 7 o'clock local time, UK and Ireland, when the show is on. So hello, we're going to get you ready for Thursday night's game and everything else happening in the National Football League. Also, how can I forget the NBCSN rear post Tour de France. How could you forget? We are back, baby. We're back, I've already forgotten. We're used to it. It's four (laughs) days now that we're back. Uh, The complaints have ended for three straight weeks. My email box. When are you going to be back on NBCSN? When are you going to be back on NBCSN? When are you going to be back on NBCSN? We're back on NBCSN. We're back. All right. Uh, Hi, Christopher. Hey, how are you? It's Friday for you. It's Thursday for the rest of the world. Yep, that's right. Rub it in. Friday for me. You all, you suckers who agreed to work on Fridays. (laughs) (laughs) I never. I draw the line in the sand somewhere. That's where I had to start. Uh, I, I, I just go back to the opening little clip there, though. It is interesting. You know, a guy like Pete Carroll, who's so vocal and talkative on the sidelines and chooses gum and everything. I bet you the mask thing is driving him crazy. I thought it was very funny that he's he's waiting for some young person to figure out a cooler, easier mask for him to uh, operate his coaching, his coaching job and, and be able to do the things he wants to do. Well, you know, I remember back in the old days of the NFL, before they came up with the, the face masks that have now been around for decades, they, they used like a lucite strip yeah, right. around the front of the, the helmet. So maybe they could get him a football helmet uh, and, and get like a, and get the Andy Reid, just instead of the strip, just do the lucite covering, almost like a robot or something. And then he's got room to talk. You can put the headset in right. and you can put the microphone up under the loose site. He can chew gum all he wants. So we could design. So I could design something in five minutes. Oh, it would be better than nothing. It's not hard to de- when anything is better than nothing. It's not all that hard to design something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. These coaches, it's going to be fun to watch this weekend because they know they're under you know, the rule of law from the NFL and the, and the mask police, uh, it, it's going to frustrate some people. And don't I'll be, be watching dismissive. about that. Don't be dismissive. Don't be dismissive. I know you're right. Alan I don't mean Sills. to be dismissive. You're yeah. right. I know I'm not, I'm not trying to be that way. I'm making light of a situation where I think it's a little overdone in this situation. You're right though. Right. I don't mean to do that for 
all the 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 public and everything like that. And and just in fairness to the story and yeah. and the reality, Dr. Alan Sills explained yesterday. Number one, there still is the possibility of false negatives. So, uh, you know, now the the players aren't wearing masks, but for the coaches, you know, older, some of them have sure. health issues. They're protecting themselves, not necessarily protecting That's players right. from infection. But also in multiple stadiums, it's required as part of the the rules that are allowing them to even play that these individuals wear masks. So uh, that's that, and uh, we'll see what Pete Carroll has. We'll see if he does wear a foot. If he shows up with a football helmet with a Lucite face shield that bubbles out so he's got plenty of room to chew gum and talk on his headset, I want I, I, I want something. I want a replica of it for my own personal you know enjoyment yes. uh, and maybe i could wear it out and about maybe that would be easy i'd like that i yeah, go to cool the grocery to store every week yeah all right uh let's get to it christopher by the way i did give you at one point to, to talk to get back to you rubbing it in that you don't work on fridays we did have a very brief conversation and it yes. was extremely brief right that you could just take your day off on wednesday yeah. because wednesday's kind of slow friday's a, a full preview of the weekend right it's a, it's a more exciting show. Yes. And you were crickets. You were crickets no, in response to that no, possibility. No, I was yes, not. Yes, you were. No, well, because yes, you were. <laughs> I was already told by the higher-ups that I was going to be Monday through Thursday. Listen, the Friday show is the easiest show of the week. No disrespect, right? But it's just you talk about the games. It's fun. Everything about that. Monday's I, the easiest. Well, Monday's maybe easy. Monday. Friday's second. Okay? But after that, so... Yeah, I don't know. They thought it would be better if I just went Monday through Thursday, and especially since we do our picks pod together on Thursday and talk about the games and do it that way. I think that probably played into it as well. Let's just say this. I do have a slight amount of influence. Just a slight. I, st- I could have made it happen. Then you can. You wanted it. I have no, no issue no. there. You went. You ghosted me. Once I brought up the possibility. Because I got stuck in between off, you. you one bo- I have three bosses. So I got stuck between you and somebody else texting me things. And I just said, I'm staying out of it. And I'll let them figure it out. So that's what I did. Right. That, I, went, I didn't want right. to mess with it. Let's get to it. All right. The San Francisco 49ers, just a couple hours down the road from me at the Greenbrier in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, getting ready for their return to MetLife Stadium. Will Jimmy Garoppolo be playing quarterback for the 49ers on Sunday? Here's Chris's guy, Kyle Shanahan, addressing that reality on Wednesday. Uh, Yeah, I'll be surprised if Jimmy gets back later in the week. I know he's still pulling to do it. but, uh, yeah, Nick's ready to go. And um, if something happens to Nick, CJ will be ready to go. Nick's got a lot of playing time with us um, in 2018. Uh, prepared him for moments like this. He always does a good job in practice. And um, excited to see him get his opportunity. Yeah, Nick Mullins started eight games back in 2018 when Jimmy Garoppolo had the torn ACL. Remember, he suffered that week three two right. years ago in Kansas City. Mullins played well. Uh, and and it's it's the system. I don't want to take anything away from Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. But it's the system. And Mullins knows the system. It's timing. It's precision. It's doing your reads properly. Right. It's not decision-making from the standpoint of you go out there and you decide what's best. It's making the right decisions within the confines of the decisions that have already been made for you exactly. by Kyle Shanahan in that offense. Right. So I, I don't know that the offense is going to have a major drop-off from Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been so-so, let's 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 be yeah. objective about it. Yeah. He's been so-so so far this season, and you go to a guy that knows the offense even better now than he did when he was thrust into service two years ago. Chris, no, I mean I think you 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 make all the the right points. You do, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. I will say this. He played really well on a banged-up leg last week. I mean, he did a great job of kind of sucking it up and made a lot of big-time throws uh, to give them the lead going into the halftime. So that's that stinks because it looked like it was going to be one of those games where they he could build on something, right, where you went, okay, yeah, I know it's the Jets, but, man, he made a lot of good throws and plays on third down, and the, there was a lot of positives to build on. So that, that does hurt. But nonetheless, you're right. And Nick Mullins, I just know from talking to Kyle over the years about the player and everything like that, I mean, he, he feels about Nick Mullins like he's part of the coaching staff almost, that he's, he's that kind of, you know, backup quarterback. He knows every little nuance of what everybody's supposed to do. You know, sometimes as a quarterback, you might not know what the right tackle is supposed to do with some run play exactly or what the call is. 
you know, he's all over those things. And you're right with Shanahan and with all the great co- uh, coordinators we see in football. It's about executing the system. They're not reinventing the wheel. You're literally just doing what the coach told you to do all week. And I think that's where, yes, they're not going to fall off. They'll still be able to implement all the same offense to what you're saying. He knows the offense probably better than Jimmy Garoppolo, to your point. And so all the plays that Shanahan has at the line of scrimmage, hey, if the defense plays this, we'll run this play. If they run this defense, let's check it to the other play. And he'll be all over those type of things. And then as we've seen before, too, Kyle makes the pass game very easy for the quarterbacks, especially with the play-action pass game. And a lot of times, because he's such an attacker of schemes, he gets a defense in a, in a formation he knows they're going to get in, and then he, hey, we're going to run this play-action pass, and all I want you to do is read this one guy. If he goes this way, throw to that guy. If he goes that way, throw to this guy. And uh, I think Nick Mullins will certainly be able to orchestrate that offense, just as long as he doesn't make those, like, hey, I haven't played in a while type mistakes, right? That's the only thing you worry about, and that's what we saw a little last week in the Jets game. I hope he got that out of his system. Well, and he gets a chance to actually prepare and be ready to go instead of being thrust into the game. And the reality is this. The guy's got some talent. He broke all of Brett Favre's records at Southern Miss back in 2013 through 2016, undrafted in 2017, and now in his fourth NFL season, and uh, getting another opportunity most likely to show what he can do, which, uh, you know, I I don't know that it complicates decisions for the 49ers after the season, but depending upon how healthy Garoppolo is and how well the team does and how well he plays, there may be a decision to make about who the quarterback is for 2021 and beyond. Other injuries for the 49ers, Tevin Coleman is likely out for a month with a knee injury. Raheem Mostert has the knee injury. It's time to activate Jarek McKinnon on your fantasy rosters, folks. I got him, not that anyone cares about my team, you care about your own team. So for your own team, you may want to go get Jarek McKinnon. He may be this week's Jordan Reed. Well, you're right. He could be. I mean, he showed glimpses of it last week. He did. I, I think that's the exciting thing for the 49ers is this Jarek McKinnon, this guy that was signed two years ago. We gave him some money up front. And we're so excited about it. We've seen nothing from him, and it's been unfortunate. Not some money. Yeah. They didn't give him some money. Ten, what was they gave it? him Over all t- the money. Where did they give him? Over 10 guaranteed, right? Or 10, something As like running- that. As the running back market goes, it was stunning. Yes. The contract they gave him was stunning. And tears an ACL right before the start of his first season with the team. Then has, you know, it, sometimes, we always assume that the ACL, hey, it's a surgery was a success and rehabs had a schedule and everything's fine until it isn't. And he missed all of 2019 as well. And, yeah, he, he got a huge contract from the 49ers. And there was a real question whether they're going to even bring him back this year. And maybe it's good that they kept him around on a four-year, $30 million contract. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It's just for this moment right here. You know, the, the, the injury bug is going rampant through the 49ers football team. And, man, no Moster, no Tevin Coleman. You're down to two running backs on your roster. And you're sitting there going, well, we have a plethora of running backs. We'll be good. No issues here. Man, two go down first two weeks, and here you are down to two. I mean, you, you get one injury this weekend, and you're, you're, you're worried about the rest of the game and, and what you're going to do. You might get scared to run the football. I mean, really. So it's a great opportunity for Jarek McKinnon, who last week had a third and 31 where he picked it up and ran, had a big like 50-yard run down the left sideline. That was great. Looked good in the pass game, which is what he was really brought there to do. And that's where I just wonder if that's what happens this week. With McKinnon in the game, do we see more of a – pass to the running back type offense out of Shanahan and Nick Mullins, who's, like you said, a good decision maker. He's got a good, quick release and pretty accurate in how he gets the ball out. It it could fit. I'll be interested to see where Kyle goes with this. There's no Jarek McKinnon equivalent on the pass rush, and Nick Bosa out for the year with the torn ACL, Solomon Thomas out for the year with the torn ACL, and D. Ford out of practice on Wednesday with Jeez. a back problem. They signed Ziggy Ansah, but I don't think that's going to be nearly enough to give them what they need. It's now, unbelievable. They still should be able to handle the Giants because it's the Giants. Yeah. But this doesn't bode well for you know the tougher portion of the schedule, which is coming. This early soft spot has worked out well for the 49ers to have – that injury disaster happened against the woeful and hapless Jets when it was 31-13, to still the final score, even with all the injuries. And now the Giants, again, the only bad news is they got to go back and play on that 
that field that they really would rather not play on. But uh, the NFL not giving them any relief, and the Giants' position is everything's fine. And I, I, I That's hope scary. that I, I, well, I just. You know, and the NFLPA has said they support the 49ers in this. It's just what can you really do in a right. compressed time frame? It's not like you're going to rip up the turf and put down new turf. And, you know, I, there are other stadiums you could move the game to. Now the Bills play at home, and, you know, you don't want to have everyone travel an extended uh, distance. But and, and then there's the issue with traveling parties going from one state to another with the pandemic. I, th- th- none of that's been discussed. None of that's even been mentioned. No. It's never even been whispered, and we're three days from the game. They're have, they got to play on that that turf, whether they like it or not, Chris, yeah. and it's going to be a challenge for Kyle to get those guys to not think about it because I think that's the problem. Whether there's an issue with it or not, if you think there is, it, it's something else you're carrying around as baggage in your that's brain right. that you've got to process with everything else. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. As a football player – when you see your, you know, fellow teammates down in agony and, oh, man, the look in their eye of, like, they know the season's over right there. You know, th- that's that's the crap that scares you, a football player. Football players who are scared about nothing in life, just about, that's the crap that sticks in their brain throughout the week. And you have that, like, just burned image, like, of oh, I could see Nick Bosa on the ground and the look in his eye. And that, that scares the death out of a, a competitor or, or a guy who makes his living, you know, playing sports. So when you see – and then you see that many guys go down and that many difference makers, yeah, that's going to be in their head. You know, maybe they wear different cleats this week. I will say this, and I said it yesterday. You know, first off, how much money does the NFL waste every year on players who end up not being able to play because they get hurt for reasons. You know, why do we even have field turf still in the NFL? Okay, that's the one thing. Injuries are 30% greater on turf. I, I don't understand that. So that's the first thing I just want to argue. The other thing, too, like I said yesterday. What would be other alternative? Grow grass. grass. I mean, the problem is grass doesn't grow as well. Man, how did we make it through 100 climates. years of football to this point without, you know, I don't know how we did it without field turf. It's just I'm not sure how we got here. Well, uh, Chris, Chris, you got to admit the field turf what? is at least is at least a slight upgrade over the green cement that your dad played on. He played on astroturf. He played on worse, like worse. That's stuff. my point. Right. At least this is better than that. Well, it is better than that. But how about just go to grass, like the good old fashioned earth god stuff? Grass. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't get that. You know, we've had this conversation before. Guys in La Liga, Ronaldo's and the Messi's of the world, and in the Premiership, they don't. It's in their contract. If we go to field turf, I don't play the game. I mean, that's what happens. They come over here to America and they don't play because they go, "Oh, it's a football stadium with field turf. I don't play on this." But back to my my point here with this too this is the one thing I noticed. All right, I, and and again, yeah, I've been on a lot of fields and seen a lot of fields, and I actually even talked to somebody with the Jets yesterday about this. And this is I, I asked him because I noticed it on watching the last two weeks of Giants games there. There's not enough black pebbles on the field, too. That would be the thing that jumped out to me, right? You see those black rubber pebbles? It does not look like there's a lot of them. And that would be that was what I was told. Those by are somebody. toxic, by the way. I, well, they those are. are toxic. Yeah. Well, not to have <laughs> I mean, that's another issue for your ligaments. But yeah. But yeah. that was the one thing I was told by somebody with the Jets, too. He goes, the turf's new. It's good. He goes, if there's one complaint, he goes, there's not enough of those pebbles. He goes, it's, it's very grabby. And it is. It looks grabby. And you saw that last week with some of the guy's knees. You know what those pebbles are, don't you? Rubber? I just figured it was rubber. They're ground-up tires. Is They're ground-up right? tires. Yeah. That's what they are. Yes. Yeah. Um, Trent Williams addressed this issue yesterday. He said, I'd be lying to tell you we're not going to be thinking about it yeah. or it's not going to be across our minds, but when you've got 300-pound linemen in front of you that's trying to put you on your back, I think the surface falls on the back burner. But he did say it's sticky, thick, and yeah. spongy. Sticky. He said it's tricky. It's tricky to, uh, yeah. to maneuver on. But isn't it odd that the Giants are saying – We've practiced on it all of training camp. We've got no problem with it at all. I mean, is that a certain amount of Jedi mind trick? Or are they truly fine with it? I mean, if they had a problem with it, we'd have heard something, right? right. Yeah, you're right. We would have heard something. You're right. I I, I think even the players, despite maybe the gum going into their own stadium, I think they would have spoke out too. You're right. So so it can't be that crucial because we didn't even really hear hear the Steelers complain about it either. But – 
That's the word it looked like to me. You know, the NFL language would be sticky, grabby, those type of things. Big guys don't like to play on this surface no matter what. Um, but, yeah, that's just the way it looked, even with Bosa's injury. You know, yeah, he had somebody push him and everything, but there was no give in the turf at all. So what gave? His leg, unfortunately. And um, it's going to be in the brains of the 49ers players. Hopefully they can overcome it. Maybe you wear different shoes this week. Maybe you don't wear real cleats. You wear those turf shoes that just have little nubs on them. Those were things that I would be thinking about as a player right now to go, maybe let me see if, like, let me practice today with these. What do these feel like? And just start, you know, experimenting to what makes you feel the best. I do agree with the broader point you made, though, for the investment that's made in the various players on the field. Right. You would think that the league and the individual owners would want to protect their investments better. And I'm no botanist. I've just always been under the impression that in some of these northeastern climates, you can't get grass to the point where it needs to be all year long. But I will say this. They pull it off in Wisconsin. Thank you. And, and if Pittsburgh. they can pull it off in Wisconsin, well, in, in, the, the, you have a you college know, team that plays there that ruins it. Well, That's they, another and they play issue. high school and they play high right. school games there. It's overused. Right. And it's a lot better than it was in 2007 on the Monday night game when the the punt actually stuck, stuck in the in ground the, because it was so wet. It was a that. mess. And, uh, I remember Mike that. Tirico on the call of that one, the ball that just went just bunk <laughs> into the grass right. and did not bounce. That was a forgettable night. But but yeah, I I. If they really wanted to do it, they could do it. It's just like Pete Carroll wearing a mask. There's a way to do it. And something is better than nothing. And maybe anything is better than artificial surfaces. But we've just accepted over the years that this is the way it is. And again, it's still better than the stuff your dad played on. I don't know how the hell they played. I don't know either. At Old Giant Stadium and Veterans Stadium and Three Rivers Stadium. That's insane. it's, It's a horrendous horrendous anybody that's ever tried to run on that good luck getting out of bed the next day yeah even if no one hits you it is horrendous on the joints there is no give none and uh so but but they can always do better all right they can speaking of doing better the chargers medical staff uh we'll, we'll get to Whoa. that little complication in a moment for now though from a football standpoint what matters is this justin herbert who got an unexpected start in week two against the chiefs is getting an expected start in week three against the Carolina Panthers. Here's his head coach, Anthony Lynn, addressing the ascension of Justin Herbert on Wednesday. Justin Herbert was started quarterback. I'm looking forward to seeing him play with a week of preparation, knowing that he's going to be the starter. Uh, what were some positives that you took from the game uh, that he had against Kansas City? I'll tell you, just uh, his, his, his pores. He didn't, he didn't panic. You know, uh, he made some really nice throws in that game. He moved around. Show that he can extend plays. You know, uh, he did some good things in that game, but uh, he was not fully prepared because he didn't take all the reps uh, in practice. And, you know, I, I've learned over the years as a, as, a, as a young coach, you know, I remember Coach Shanahan telling me one time, you know, don't, don't tell me how many times you told them, tell me how many times you put them through it. And so that was some situation we just did not put him through last week. And uh, I thought he handled those situations well. Not just well, extremely well. And I understand there's a psychology involved here. You don't want the kid getting a big head, but I don't think it would affect him. I, I think some praise is in order for what we saw from Justin Herbert last week. Yeah. You consider what he can do against a lesser team with a full week to prepare, right. with the coaching staff able to prepare based upon what he does well and what he doesn't do well. Right. I don't know that there's much he doesn't do well. This is a hell of an opportunity for Justin Herbert to make it clear that even when Tyrod Taylor is healthy, Justin Herbert is the guy. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, do, I do think this is a, an opportunity for him against a, a Panthers defense that we know has given up a lot of plays where he could probably go in there this week and establish himself for the starter for the rest of the year. You know, being the number six pick of the draft, uh, showing what he showed last week, you put another solid performance together. You know you have a defense, and you start to feel like, hey, I think we can trust this guy. You know, not only the reps and the things like that, putting them through all the things that you need to do. Hey, just the fact that when you're in the starter, the offensive coordinator and the head coach start to beat little things into your brain, too, about, hey, when it's second and two, you know, no turnovers, no throwing the ball across your body, just all those type of things that you, you need to hear during the week when you're a young quarterback. Just to, you know, so when it does happen and all of a sudden you're running out to the left, 
you can hear like Anthony Lynn's voice in your head going, don't throw it across your body. And I'm telling you, that's the crap that happens to you as a quarterback. You literally hear that. And then you go, oh, let me throw it out of bounds. And, and that, that'll go a long way for him. But as we both saw, and I think we both sat there on Sunday, and I know we're not together anymore, but I see you on this big screen and see your reactions. I mean, there was eye-popping plays from Justin Herbert. Eye-popping. And you watched back the game, as did I. And the, the watching it back confirmed that too. So um, I, I think they got a chance to put up some points and some yards, and I'm excited to see what Herbert does. I was blown away by everything about Justin Herbert's game. His throwing, his running, his power – his awareness, his hustle. And and I, I was I was doing a little research yesterday. I was trying to find a clip of that play that we've talked about where Austin Eckler was running the ball and Herbert sprinted to the area just in case something would right. happen. So I Googled Justin Herbert hustle just as I wanted to find that clip and I wanted to embed it in the story that I had. And I found a clip of a play from him at Oregon where there was a turnover, and it was the equivalent of the Ben Roethlisberger play from the playoffs in 2005 where yeah. Roethlisberger saved the day. Nick Harper. But this, time, but this time, the day was saved by Justin Herbert running the entire length of the field, choosing an angle, sprinting to the spot, and keeping the defender out of the end zone. So, uh, it, 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 I mean, the, the guy is a football player. He is. That's what we're looking for. And uh, he's a football player who happens to play quarterback, and he's going to get to play on Sunday for the Chargers. Let me ask you this. Yeah. How much can the Panthers glean from last week's film to help them prepare for what's coming? I think that yeah, there's not going to be a ton. They'll be able to just look at, okay, here's some of the core plays of what the Chargers do on offense. We've seen this through the first two weeks and all that. But I think what you know, what it, it is going to be certain things about the game that they're not going to be ready for or probably some plays that they did not expect you know, but the one thing is they know how athletic he is, so they're going to have to get into, all right, we got to talk about containing him, doing things like that. But the, the thing where I think they'll have the advantage is you know, I would imagine with a guy that can play that way and move that way and then make the power throws that we just saw last week, you know, th those are the guys I go play action pass, protect it up, let him get some separation from the line of scrimmage and let two guys work downfield. Let Mike Williams and Keenan Allen do some intricate route running and you let him sit back there and throw them 20 and 25-yard strikes. Those are the things that aren't on the film a lot with the Chargers to where, yes, this week the Panthers, I think, would have a good chance of seeing that. If I was the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, those are the type of plays I would certainly want to see more of because it makes the game simple for a young quarterback, right? Hey, one receiver, two receiver, check down, run. That's all you got to do. And then if it's not there, throw it away because we got a good defense and we'll punt it out and we'll try to do it again the next series. And uh, that's where, you know, I think they can make this work with Herbert as a quarterback. And the reason that Justin Herbert is going to be playing, Tyrod Taylor's not available. The reason he's not available is because Man. he had a reaction. Reaction is the kindest way to put it to a pain-killing injection that was given to him last Sunday so that he could play with a rib injury. The reaction happened because the needle was inserted into his lung. The NFL Players Association is investigating the situation. And look, I'm no medical expert, but I know there are certain medical outcomes that no one is responsible for. And then there are medical outcomes that are avoidable. Sticking the needle into the lung is something that would seem to be on the avoidable side of the ledger. Here are Anthony Lynn and Hunter Henry from the Chargers, Chargers tight end, talking about the medical staff in the aftermath of the error that resulted in Tyrod Taylor having a punctured lung. I'm not angry at all. You know, it happens, you know, and uh, like I said, I can't go into details about it, but uh, uh, it was a complication with the shot and it, you know, no one's perfect. You know, uh, I don't think anyone on this Zoom is perfect. So it happens, but I know the, the doctors, I know he's a good man, and uh, uh, it was just unfortunate. Um, I still have faith in our, our medical staff. I think we're, you know, obviously this is an unfortunate event, and um, this is, this is bad. you know, it's not, it's not good. And I know none of us think it's good at all, but um, we're going to continue to move forward, and uh, I do have faith in them. I, look, I, I agree. No one is perfect, and I am uh, one of the prime examples of that. But there are certain professions where mistakes have greater consequences. That's one of the reasons why 
I love what I do now so much more than what I used to do because when you're practicing law, if you screw something up, you're screwing up someone else's interest. Yeah. In this context, if I make a mistake, if I say a word wrong, if I get a report wrong, it's on me. Right. I can live with that. Right. When you're sticking a needle into someone's body in the vicinity of the internal organs, I, look, you don't have to be perfect, but you got to be better than putting the needle into the guy's lung. So, and I understand from Coach Lynn's perspective, there's a very real liability concern, and the organization probably doesn't want him going out there saying, man, we got some quacks on this staff. Uh, and Hunter Henry, you know, he gave the perfunctory, we have faith, and then, and then the rest of his explanation showed that they really don't. Uh, and what other choice do they have? Yeah. The, the, these are the cards that they've been dealt you know, these are the people who are going to be taking care of you. You don't want to throw them under the bus when you may need them this weekend. But the bottom line is this is unacceptable. And, and you know, it's amazing. It, 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 it's not amazing because social media, you're going to have someone who supports every point of view possible, even on topics where there should not be a second point of view. On this topic, there should not be a second point of view. You don't puncture someone's lung with a needle. And if you've done that, this isn't within the normal risks to be assumed of getting a pain-killing injection. Yeah. Or you probably wouldn't do it. No, I, I mean, you're right. Uh, it, it It's bad. It's unlucky. I mean, first off, I feel horrible for Tyrod Taylor. I mean, the guy just continues to, you know, fight, claw, be a professional, do all the things the right way, and just can't catch a break. So I really do, like, feel for him. Now, the second thing is, yeah, rib injury, that area, that's a tough area. And for a quarterback, it, it can really bother you because, of course, you're twisting and torquing to throw – your arm is flexing back, which also causes a collapse of the ribs and things like that in, a, in that area. I've had some banged up ribs before, and man, it was just bruises and things, and it hurt to throw the football. So, and then there's not a lot of room for error there, right? Like, I mean, as you know, if you had a ribbit thing, that's like, okay, yeah, it's the ribs, and then you get through there, and you're going to start to get into lungs, and and that's just, yeah, it's bad. I don't know what to say. I know that the doctor certainly didn't do this intentional. But, yeah, there's no excuse for it. And just like we talked about the 49ers having, like, the turf on their issue or on their head as far as an issue, the Chargers player is going to be thinking the same things. Oh, wait, we're supposed to get an IV? Wait, is it from, you know, Dr. Needle over there who punctured the lung? Can we have somebody else do it? <laughs> you know? I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Needle. Because oh, that Dr. happened Needle. in my Tampa Bay I... locker room once with the guys <laughs> where guys didn't feel comfortable. And there's, you know, there's more than one doctor around a team, too. So you just start to I'll go I'll take out. anyone but Dr. Doc Needle. You don't want Dr. Needle. And, you know, I'm sure he's probably got a nickname already in the locker room, whether he likes it or Dr. not. And Needle. I know this human's probably a very good doctor and good person and everything like that. He made a bad mistake, and I'm sure he feels horrible about it, and I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, th there are five football injuries that I can personally relate to. The sprained ankle, the calf strain, the hamstring injury, and the final two, broken ribs and bruised rib cartilage, yeah. which are equally painful. Right. But I fell down a hill when I was 14, and I broke three ribs, and you can't do anything. You can't sleep. That's right. how painful it is. Right. You get hiccups. God, I learned how to make hiccups go away with the power <laughs> of my mind. That's I how bet. painful hiccups are I when bet. you have broken ribs. <laughs> so I can only imagine trying to do the things a quarterback does. And, you know, that's the thing. We hear about pain. And it's funny because earlier this week, Sean McVay was talking about Cam Akers, the rookie running back. He's got separated rib cartilage. It's not broken, so you don't have the risk of a rib breaking off and, you know, puncturing an organ that way not with a needle the old-fashioned way with a piece of a rib right but you know they're oh yeah he'll be able to play through the pain yeah because they're gonna stick a needle into the area and numb it no. that, that's the dirty little secret that you always talk about whether it's a localized pain killing injection or the full body toradol thing these guys are pumped full of drugs so they can go out there and play without the limitations of pain no doubt about it it it's it is it's the dirty little secret of the nfl i don't think it's ever gonna stop it's it's yeah there's a Danger aspect to it, but at the same time, you, good luck telling an NFL football player who's 26 years old they can't play or we can't administer, you know, this shot anymore. He's, you know, NFL players they don't care. Hey, I know I'm banged up. Put that thing in there, you know, stick the needle in there. I'm playing today, and that is just part of the game. But yes, it causes injuries. It causes more issues. It causes guys to go out there with injuries. They play. They get the Toradol. They think, oh, I feel pretty good. 
And meanwhile, they're just numb and they can't feel that, yeah, their shoulder that was hurt is actually getting worse. And that's why you see sometimes guys get hurt, they come back for like a week, and then all of a sudden they disappear for three or four weeks because they were rushed back too much, they got the numbing agent, and they thought they were okay to play, and it really just caused more damage because they couldn't feel that body part that was hurt just continuing to get crushed and banged up and everything like that. Yeah, here's Dr. Needle with that syringe full of Toradol and other potent narcotics, but don't you dare smoke marijuana to manage the pain or to, to, to deal there. with the stress. Right. I know, yep. I know, but, yep. but they've, they've essentially decriminalized it from the standpoint of they won't suspend you, but they'll still take a lot of money out they of your will. paycheck if you fail enough tests. So right. hopefully they get to a point where they just take it off the board altogether. It shouldn't be a collective bargaining issue. It shouldn't be about who's got power, who's got leverage. It should be about doing the right thing. That's and when right. you consider the, the potency of the medications they give these guys to allow them to play, let them smoke the damn marijuana if it helps them feel better, if it helps them physically feel better, mentally feel better, emotionally feel better, so they can go out there into that meat grinder again, again, and again. All right, let's take a break. When we return, which doesn't belong and why on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. We'll be back with that right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Which Doesn't Belong and Why Thursday edition commences with a closer look at the top half of this week's power rankings. There are three teams there that we are putting into the analysis. Which Doesn't Belong and Why? The Patriots, the Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chris, right out of the gates, no screwing around. Which Doesn't Belong and Why? I'm going to say the Saints. Um, you know, they're the team that I didn't expect to look this way. I expected the Patriots and the Buccaneers to be one and one. I expected it not to look exactly perfect. I think the Patriots have looked actually better than what I expected. And we saw Tampa Bay get back on schedule, and Brady made some big-time throws last week in that game. It wasn't perfect, but it was still it was something to build on. The Saints, you know, they look like they're the work in progress. That, that's, I think, the surprising thing and why I, I just don't get it. You know, yeah, it, it was an ugly win in week one, and it was an ugly loss in week two. So that, they're the team that doesn't belong to me. I say the Patriots don't belong because of the three, the Patriots are so much better than most thought they would be. Yeah. The Saints are are clearly not better than we thought they would be. The Buccaneers, at best, are on track. Right. They lost week one, and, and Tom Brady didn't look good. The Patriots have been phenomenal, even though they are one and one. And back to the Saints. We're doing our joint Chris Sims Unbuttoned PFTPM Mega Picks podcast later today. I was looking through the lines. The Saints are a three-point favorite over the Packers. Mm. I, I, and and you know what? Maybe maybe the Packers are an illusion based upon the fact that they've played two crap teams. But man, I was stunned to see that the Saints are still a three-point favorite with no fans in the stands. If there were fans there, I get it. 
But you take the fans out and you let Aaron Rodgers operate like he operated at U.S. Bank Stadium I against know. the Vikings. I don't, I don't know that I would have made the Saints a three-point favorite. But, uh, you know, those perceptions die hard. That's the challenge of, of uh, betting. There are perceptions that drive some of these lines. Yes. And the challenge is finding those spots where the perceptions are no longer valid. out of whack. Exactly. And this this yeah. perception may be out of whack that the Saints are three points better than the Packers. Yeah, I mean, as it looks right now, there's no way I would say that. No way. And I know Green Bay, you're right. They haven't played like, you know, the greatest teams in the world, but it's looked really good. You know, in the Minnesota game, it was dominant at times. And then, yeah, Minnesota – you know, put up some late points and yards. Uh, Detroit came out firing last week, but then Packers kind of slammed that down for a period of time to where it just didn't matter. And, and of course, the offense and Rodgers are just, it's more aggressive. It's more just go after you and attack. And I think that's what's exciting about Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay is is one of the pleasant surprises in football to me. They really are to this point to where, you know, I knew they are going to be good, they look a lot better than I thought. Like, they're in the conversation for one of the best teams in the NFC. No doubt about that. Here's the thing to remember, though. We are inching toward that point in the season where I call uh, Correction Sunday. Yeah. And that's where the, the early season trends that we think are allowing us to pontificate about how the rest of the season will go get turned on their heads out of the blue. Right. So maybe it's Correction Sunday for the Packers on NBC on Sunday Night Football. Next topic Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals, which doesn't belong and why? Um, I'm going to go with the Cardinals there. I think so. I mean, the Seahawks and Rams uh, have played really good football. I believe they're like legit 2-0 teams. I don't know if I believe that in the Cardinals yet. I, you know, again, and I don't want to take credit away from them, but I think they were very fortunate in week one to beat the 49ers. I know they made plays, but man, they were on the like the borderline of being blown out early on in that football game. And then last week, they got to play a Washington football team that is offensively challenged. There's no other way to put that. So with that, I think they've played two favorable matchups to where, you know, it, it just worked out for them, or at least one favorable matchup, another one where the ball bounced their way and they capitalized and made the plays. And I'm not trying to take credit away, but the Rams and Seahawks to me are proven commodities and really controlled both of their games in a lot of ways throughout. I know the Patriots made that late comeback, but, man, they were up 12 with, the, what, four minutes left. I mean, uh, those two teams have been playing at a very high level. I, I'm going to go in a different direction here. I'm looking past the team. I'm looking at specific positions, and let's start with the most important position on the field, the quarterback position. I'm going to say the Rams don't belong in a while. Yeah, okay, I know because, why. Yeah. Because the Seahawks and Cardinals have – the dual threat dynamic quarterback that you need to truly be an elite team in today's NFL. It's not good enough to be the, the great passer with limited ability to escape when the crap hits the fan. And Jared Goff is far closer to the Kirk Cousins category than the Patrick Mahomes category. Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray are in that category of guys who can make chicken salad when things fall apart quickly and and I'd want that kind of quarterback without question I mean how are teams that that don't have quarterbacks in their early to mid 20s not scouring every college throughout the country looking for quarterbacks that have that combination where yeah. you can trust them to come up with something on the fly when things fall apart instead of just collapsing like the proverbial Jenga tower right. so that's why the Rams don't belong the Rams don't have the quarterback that can do it all and, uh, you know, Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo in competition for the third best quarterback in the NFC West right now. Yeah, they are. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, you know, yeah, you said, I mean, Russell and Kyler are, are special. They're transcendent type players. Uh, that's not what Garoppolo and Jared Goff are. You know, Jared Goff and Garoppolo are good. Jared Goff's been on fire for the first two weeks. But yes, a lot of his success is predicated or has to at least somewhat be given to Sean McVay. You know, again, there's just a number of completions, and I'm not trying to sit here and bag on Jared Goff because he's made some big-time throws. But, man, you know, there's a number of completions in every game where you just go, anybody could do that, anybody. And, and, I, and I know that sounds insensitive, um, but, but I think that's the fact of the matter. I get it, and you, you certainly can win with Jared Goff, but, yes, they're not, he's not capable of doing the things those other two guys are doing, that's for sure. And it's not just the rushing yards. It's the ability – 
when the pocket begins to collapse to get away from the pressure, extend the play. Ben Roethlisberger had an incredible throw to Deontay Johnson against the Broncos where he rolled to his right yeah. and as he was approaching the line of scrimmage on the run, he fired the ball right. to Deontay Johnson. Special. So it's just extending the play when the play that's called, for whatever reason, doesn't work out you know, because the line collapses or there's a blitzer that comes free. There, there are some guys that can – that can make it go, and there are some guys that can't. And Jared Goff is in the can't, and Kyler Murray and, and Russell Wilson so are in it, the can. It, you're right. It, it's it, it's going that way too, Mike. Where you're talking about like scouring the earth for those type of quarterbacks. It is. I mean, you know, look at the first three quarterbacks we saw this year. They're all capable of doing that. You know, Herbert Burrow. You know the year. You know the year before we saw similar quarterbacks too. You know, so that's the way the league's going. Trevor Lawrence. He, he can run. I mean, hey, if you can run for 50-yard touchdowns against Ohio State, then you can run because Ohio State, the whole secondary is in the NFL. I mean, the linebackers, the DNs, all of them. So he can run. You're right. The day of, like, the Tom Brady, the Chris Sims, the Phil Sims, the pocket-passing quarterback, whatever, that is coming to an end. You have to have a special setup of a football team to have that quarterback now because you're right. Defenses have become too multiple. The athletes are too good. And coaches, you can't expect them to win the schematical battle play after play after play after play. You know, there's only two or three coaches in football that can do that. Um, and, you know, everybody else, yeah, you need a quarterback that can make a play. Yeah, the pocket passer is becoming that guy that we talked about earlier this week. If you have a great offensive line, a great running game, great receivers, exactly. great defense, great coaches, you we can, can make it work. It. Right, exactly right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, they, that, that day is coming and going as we're, we're watching it just unfold in front of us right now with the Watsons and the Mahomes and Justin Herbert on the scene now and everything like that. You can see that these guys can do things that, yep, I don't have a play. I never told you to do that, but holy crap, that was awesome and keep doing it. We just looked at three 2-0 teams in the NFC West. How about a trio of 0-2 teams? Texans, Eagles, Vikings. Which doesn't belong and why? <laughs> they don't belong because I look at them. The other two teams I have a little hope for to rebound. I have no hope for your Vikings to rebound. I'm sorry. It's just there, there's, no, there's no hope. The offense stinks. They can't pass protect. Kirk Cousins is under attack. He's making mistakes that way. The defense, there's too many new pieces. They're getting torched. Uh, you know, the Texans, I could see them turning it around to where they get back into the playoff. I mean, we've seen it before. The Eagles, I mean, I just feel like this is the Eagles. And the NFC East, who knows? You might win the NFC East and be 6-10 and 10 this year. They're 7-9. and nine. Who knows? But the Vikings, I feel very confident after two weeks ago. Sorry. It's not happening this year. I was on KJR radio last night and I was trying to convince the folks in Seattle for a like uh, Kirk Cousins and Daniil Hunter trade for Russell Wilson. I wasn't getting any interest. <laughs> yeah, good luck. I say, that, I say the Texans don't belong because the Texans, I think, are clearly the best of the three teams. They just have pissed somebody off at the league office Holy and got cow. the Chiefs, the Ravens, and now the Steelers right out of the gates. The Steelers in Pittsburgh right out of the gates. So I think they'll get a chance to settle it down and show what they can do. But, you know, that that's why we focus so much on the schedule release because that early season schedule really can shape a team's fortune and can put you in a hole that you just never get out of, Chris. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And then it's it's they're in a tough spot here. They can maybe go – you know, you look at it, and I I expect them to lose at the Steelers this weekend. But Vikings, Jaguars, they certainly can win that football game. And we'll see. The Titans, they're one of those teams that are 2-0 right now where I go, I don't know how I feel about the Titans. I mean, the Jaguars went up and down the field on them last week. That's a little scary there. So even though if they do start 0-3, we've seen Billy O and Deshaun battle back before, and I wouldn't be shocked if they were at 0-3 and all of a sudden we looked up and went, they're four and three, or you know, they're four and four, and right in the thick of things. It's kind of what they do. Let's squeeze in one more: Justin Herbert, Nick Mullins, Jeff Driscoll, all backups who will be likely starting this week. Which doesn't belong and why? Um, I I, I think Justin Herbert there because it, he's the future, he's the franchise. The other two guys, they know they're just kind of holding a spot down for a little bit, uh, especially you know Jeff Driscoll. Nick Mullins, maybe he thinks there's a, a you know a chance where he can you know light the world on fire and make it interesting, but I doubt that. Justin Herbert has a chance to, like, here it is, 
week three of the NFL season. I have a great game. We win the football game. And hello, Los Angeles Chargers fans. I'm your quarterback for the next 14 years. Like, this could be the start of that run right now. And what a handoff. You know, we've talked about Joe Montana to Steve Young and Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to go Phillip Rivers. And they already went Drew Brees, Drew Brees. to Phillip Rivers, although right. they didn't appreciate what they had in Drew Brees, which is why they got Phillip Rivers. But to go Brees to Rivers and now to, to Justin Herbert with as good as he looks, uh, very fortunate for the Chargers. Now let's see what they can do with it as a franchise. You know, when you've got the quarterback position taken care of, as a franchise, you probably should get to the postseason once in a while. You probably should win some playoff games, and you probably should be at least on the fringes of the conversation for a Super Bowl appearance. We'll see if they can pull that off. I say Nick Mullins doesn't belong because he's got much more experience, and as we discussed earlier in the hour, He's almost like a coach. He knows that offense. He can be the guy that Kyle Shanahan needs, where Kyle is the guy with the joystick making the Madden game go, and the quarterback does everything that Kyle wants. So he's in the best position to succeed, even though Herbert's playing the Panthers, who don't have Christian McCaffrey, which should make it fairly easy for yeah. the Chargers to get a win. But who knows? Who knows? That's that's why they play the games. That's why they play the games. Picks later today, hopefully trying to prognosticate some of these games accurately this weekend. We're going to take a break. When we return, we'll look back on the life and the career of Hall of Famer Gail Sayers, who passed away yesterday at the age of 77. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Gail Sayers passed on Thursday at the age of 77. One of the great players of all time, one of the more underappreciated players of all time because he only played in 68 regular season games, knee injuries in the days before the surgical advances that could allow guys to come back from knee injuries, ended his career after seven seasons. Youngest player ever inducted into the Hall of Fame at 34. Number 22 on the list of top 100 players of all time that was announced last year. That's how special he was. He was Man. spectacular. Six touchdowns in a single game in December of 1965 against the 49ers. An 85-yard punt return for a touchdown. An 80-yard catch and run. Four rushing touchdowns on a sloppy, awful, definitely grass field because he had mud all over his uniform. It was old-school football, and he just was he was on a different plane. And, uh, you know, for me, Chris, I, he was retired by the time I discovered football, but it was just like this mythical figure who kind of hovered over right. football. And I, I was always waiting for the next Gale Sayers, and I'm, I'm, I'm not confident there's been a next Gale Sayers. I don't think there is either. I mean, you know, five years of football, basically. Five years of football. How awesome do you have to be to be five years of football, first ballot Hall of Famer, probably the least amount of rushing yards out of any running back in the Hall of Fame? But it doesn't matter. And you're right. He was like, even for me, of course, I wasn't alive when he was playing either. But he was like an urban legend. An urban legend is what he was. And uh, there has been no player like him. I don't know who you compare him to. He's like Barry Sanders, but with like greater speed. All right, we got to take a break. We got another hour of PFT Live still to come. We'll be back with that right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.